Hungry for some truth with a side of common sense? You want answers? Then you found the right choice. We are the Morning Jam. Take us everywhere. Just download the app, put us in your pocket, take us with you no matter where you go. We are the Morning Jam on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Keep our numbers handy, too. Our toll-free number, 866-916-3776. We would love to hear from you this morning. Lots and lots of things to weigh in on on today's show. No doubt about that. Here's your thought of the day for Thursday. What we spend, we lose. What we keep is going to be left for others, but what we give away will be ours forever. There you go. Think about that for a minute. 434-248-0704. That's our text number. And we give you that because we'd love for you to play along with our Mind Jam trivia. Today, it's a, yesterday was a dog question, which incidentally, I'm very upset with my dogs right now. I had one escape this morning. I was going to say, was that picture I sent you yesterday like perfect timing then? That was, well, it was perfect time. And Trey sent me uh, a meme last night that was like, my dog's coming to get pets. And it was like a school bus, which is Yeah, and then the train hitting the school. Have you ever seen the train running over the school bus meme? Yeah, that would be. That's what it was. Yeah, that would be uh, Rogan, who who just, the minute you're talking to any other dog, he's got to get get in on the action um he took one of the my littles are very very small they're like four and five pounds um and so they've got the little poofy beds the little powder you yeah. know they look like they're anxiety beds and they gotcha. just love balling up in there well he has like been fascinated with them and he's been stealing them and taking them to the lair that he has uh, yeah that's right <laughs> look at this stuff isn't it neat? Um, well, apparently he just destroyed that one <sighs> last night. I mean, just and they're not cheap. They are not. So I don't know what I'm going to have to do. Oh, look! It popped back up on my timeline. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Hashtag Rogan. Uh, yeah. So he's he is in the proverbial doghouse for sure. Which maybe I just need to get him one of those. I don't know. Uh, but today's not about dogs. It's a, a foodie question, and it's about a food. That American frontier settlers used as a mainstay as they travel across the country on wagon trails um, because it was easy to transport. It also became an American favorite after many people discovered the tasty dish at a San Antonio food stand that was set up at the Columbian Exposition in Chicago in 1893. So it's been a popular American dish for quite a while what do you think we're talking about 434-248-0704 american frontier settlers used it as a mainstay because they thought it was easy to transport on the trail and then the rest of america discovered it at the columbian exposition in chicago in 1893 at a san antonio food stand what do you think it is we'll have the answer coming up in just a little bit um on this day in history the attack of the Alamo, 1836. That was kind of a big day in history. Also, 1904, United States acquires control of the Panama Canal for $10 million. Probably money well spent. 
Ten million dollars. Million dollars. Nineteen, which at that time would have seemed like, oh my gosh, so much money. Nineteen forty-five, U.S. Marines raised the American flag at Iwo Jima. Of course, that became an iconic, award-winning photo, and later became the Marine Corps War Memorial sculpture. And then in uh, 1954, the first mass inoculation against polio takes place at an elementary school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then just to lighten it up, in 1978, it's the 20th Grammy Awards. Now, you may be asking, Janet, who was winning back then? Well, it was Hotel California, understandably so, classic music. Fleetwood Mac, certainly get that. And Debbie Boone, which I never understood. Even as a child, I never got it. It was like, my heart will go on. It was the, uh, my heart will go on of the 70s. You lied at my life. I was a kid and I wanted to poke my eardrums out every time it came on the radio. And it was on a lot. A lot. All right. uh, Birthdays today. If it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. You share it with Olaf. Actor Josh Gad, he turns 42 years old today. Hey, whoa! Oh, I love it even more. (sighs) All right, let's start this thing over. Hi, everyone. I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. I love him. I think he's so much fun. (laughs) I love Olaf. Uh, Actress Emily Blunt having a birthday today, turning 40 years old. Here she is sparring with uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, apparently when when they were going on their tour for, for the uh, Jungle... Jumanji. No, it wasn't Jumanji. It was uh, Jungle Cruise, I think was what it was called. Oh, yeah, Disney's Jungle with, Cruise. With, with Disney. Um, apparently, they sparred during that whole thing. They just love insulting each other. So much fun. It's likely to be caught napping between takes. Actually, it's usually me during Dwayne's close-up. <laughs> oh, that was good. Is that right? Yeah. Is that how we're going to yeah, play? Like... That's the game. When I first came on board, Jason Momoa was doing it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm in. Like, I was so stoked Chris, about Chris it. Chris Hemsworth was the star. I was so excited that um, anyone but Dwayne Johnson anyone but Dwayne Johnson. I haven't seen that movie, but if the interview chemistry is any indication, it it must be a good one. Uh, Actress Dakota Fanning having a birthday today. She is turning 29 years old. And then we have guitarist Brad Whitford of Aerosmith. He is turning 71. And then we also have uh, another singer having a birthday, classic from the 80s. Uh, Singer Howard Jones is turning 68 years old. It's so interesting for me to go back and, and look at some of these guys. Of course, I mean, we all had terrible 80s hair or great 80s hair depending on you know how you embrace it um and then of course now he has no hair at all and uh it's just so interesting because that was such a big part of his look uh back in the day but he is turning 68 years old today not so many uh not so much hair anymore so there you go uh our mind jam trivia it's a foodie question 
today. And it's about a food that American frontier settlers used as a mainstay uh, as they found it easy to transport on the trail. It became an American favorite after many discovered the tasty dish at the San Antonio food stand that was set up at the Columbian Exposition in Chicago in 1893. What is it that you think we're talking about? Uh, We're getting interesting guesses this morning. Um, Peanuts. That's a good guess, I would think. And Cracker Jacks? (laughs) No, no Cracker Jacks. Not back then. Salt pork. Sal's ear. Jerky. Turkey jerky? No, I don't think turkey jerky, Johnny. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. No. That's not... That's I think it. you're trying to trick us again. I think it's something that no one's going to guess. Has, hasn't guessed. That's um, my guess. It's something that no one has guessed. That's yeah. your guess. Okay. All right. You just like being it's being able to say that you're right. I think that I think the key here is I'm going to read it one more time. Um, it's about a food that frontier settlers used as a mainstay as they found it easy to transport on the trail. It became an American favorite after many discovered this tasty dish at a San Antonio food stand that was set up at the Columbian Exposition in Chicago in 1893. Is it good with cornbread? Is it good with cornbread? Yeah. Everything's good with cornbread. Okay. Like literally but everything. Could you this is could good. be one of like the known things you put corn like it with cornbread? I would, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Then I think I know what it is. We're going to have the answer coming up here very shortly on the Morning Jam. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday edition. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the morning jam. Oh, it's too hot, too hot, lady. Gotta run for shelter, gotta run for shade. It's too hot, too hot, lady. Good morning. Are we on? Yeah, we we, you were on the whole time. I just pulled down the wrong thing. Ah, gotcha. All right. Okay. For some reason, I can't hear myself. I think my headphones are gone or I'm just stopped up. That could be it too. So sorry guys. I am like really battling a cold. So if I uh, seem a little off today, it's only cause I am Uh 866-916-3776 is our number. Uh, yeah, I played too hot because of our answer to our mind jam trivia, but you need to chill. Although it doesn't have to be hot at all. You need to chill. E. That there, was my guess. There you go. Uh, American front. Our foodie question was about American frontier sellers, settlers, who used this food as a mainstay because they found it easy to transport on the trail. It became an American favorite after many discovered the tasty dish at a San Antonio food stand that was set up at the Columbian Exposition in Chicago in 1893. What are we talking about? We are talking about chili. I think you listened to my thing earlier. Uh, what are you talking one. about? Uh, uh-huh. I'm, I know you. I'm on to you. Um, so I was. I did not get this one when it when it came um, because of the whole finding it easy to transport on the trail. Chili, not easy to transport, but this is how they did it. Their version of chili 
for American frontier settlers, which is pretty ingenious when you think about it, is they would take dried beef, they would combine it with suet, dried chili peppers, and salt, and then they would pound it together, and they would make bricks, and they would dry them, and then they would take them on on the trail with them. And then when they would get ready to fix food, they would rehydrate everything, and that's how they would make their version of, of a chili, which when you think about it, is pretty ingenious, actually. Oh, we got a caller on the line. Good morning. You're on the Morning Jam. Who's this? Hey, Janet. How you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Already almost 70 degrees out here. I know. I mean, I, it was it. colder Loving in my it. house this morning than it was Yeah, that's because you live up there in the boondocks. I am hers, but, <laughs> you know. It's true. Uh, yeah, I was going to call in and say beef jerky, but I guess I was pretty close. But uh, Well, yeah, that was... That would, it was just a, a way for them to use it in a different way, I guess, because the dried beef was definitely yeah. a part of it. I wanted to speak about Trump, too. Uh, that was awesome what he did yesterday. And <laughs> I don't see Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis uh, or Biden or anybody going up there to help those people in East Palestine. I mean, DeSantis is flying all over the country. So if you say, well, he's in Florida doing his job, well, he was just in New York, and I think he was in Chicago yesterday, and, you know, he couldn't stop in East Palestine and get Carl Rove to give him some money to to help the people up there in East Palestine. Just uh, a little criticism there. Mm-hmm. But um, what Trump did was awesome, and the people loved him, and the videos of him, and the people just, it was awesome. And that's why people love Trump. You can hate him for his tweets or whatever or anything but this is this is why people like trump because he he talks to the people he he goes out he was it was pouring rain and cold out there and he was out there with the people giving them hugs and taking pictures with them and took water and shaking hands yeah, so, I mean, it was awesome. So, anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Well, we, I mean, but, we know uh, you got a you got a Trump bromance. There's no doubt about that. And there's a lot about Trump to like, especially when he does things like well, that. Well, I get it. I've been a fan. I've been a fan of his since the 80s. I read the uh, Art of the Deal and everything. So, And then Prince wrote a song about him. Didn't know if you knew that or not. It's called Donald Trump Black Version. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> y'all have a great day. All right, you too. Well, now, there, there's some trivia I did not know that Prince wrote a Donald Trump song. Yeah. Um, if you are wanting to help out Ohio, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. Uh, Gleaning for the World is going to be collecting donations for the, the victims of the Ohio train derailment. Also going to be uh, gathering goods for Turkey and Syria as they uh, experienced another massive aftershock that struck that southern region of, of Turkey. Uh, Gleaning for the World is asking for donations in response uh, to those situations. Monetary support will ensure that the supplies that they, they desperately need can be provided quickly. Uh, things like medicines, food, drinking water, other essential supplies for those who are now homeless and living basically in makeshift tent cities are being provided by Gleaning's partners who are there on the ground, uh, but they need more of those supplies. And then, of course, 
the situation going on in Palestine, Ohio, and the soil and water contamination in the area as the result of the hazardous material that the train was was carrying, uh, 15,000 pounds of soil, 1.1 million gallons of water surrounding the crash site, site had been removed due to contamination. Now, where are they putting that? I don't know. Uh, clean drinking water is urgently needed. So Gleaning is going to be hosting a water collection in front of Sam's Club on Wards Road. That's in the Lynchburg area. And that's going to be going on today starting at 10 o'clock. That will run until 6. And it may continue for a second day depending on the availability of, of water. But if you're wanting to help the people in Ohio, here's a, a way for you to do that uh, today between 10 and 6 on Wards Road at the Lynchburg Sam's Club. Uh, they're asking for cases of individual water uh, bottles of water and um, bottled gallons with the goal of filling a tractor trailer that can be dropped off um, or delivered to the Concord Warehouse. And you can also do financial donations as well. You can do that at gftw.org, or you can call Gleaning and uh, do it that way. If you're donating by check, you can make it out to Gleaning for the World, and you can put in the subject line, you can specify whether you want it to go to the earthquake relief or uh, the Ohio Clean Water. If you're wanting to give to either one of these, I cannot urge you enough to make sure you know where that money is going. Because anytime there's a tragedy like this, you're going to have all kinds of people popping up saying that they're going to be helping these people. And that money may or may not go there. So unless it's the Red Cross or Gleaning for the World, who has the absolute highest rating for making sure that the money you donate goes to the people that you intend for it to go to. Uh, and, of course, they are here in our in our own backyard, uh, practically there at the Concord location. If you want to drop anything off between 9 and 5, you can do that Monday through Friday. Or, again, if you want to do it quickly and efficiently, just go to gftw.org, and you can do it that way. Well, coming up, we have got your local and regional headlines from WDBJ7. Lots of things to talk about uh, locally, including should Lynchburg School Board be elected? Uh, this has been something that's been talked about for a while. Uh, we've had Vice Mayor Chris Feraldi uh, on, the, on the air, well, for a couple of years now, uh, saying that he thinks our school board should be elected. And uh, Wednesday, he filed new paperwork with the clerk of court, hoping to begin a referendum process to um, answer what he thinks is an important question. Should Lynchburg voters and parents directly elected school board members? And um, the vice mayor said it's the only process allowed by state code where voters can decide if they want to transition to an elected school board in the city. And so he has taken that first step uh, in, in that endeavor. We also have a story that we're going to be talking about in our next half hour. Um, I'm sure most of you have heard about a Florida reporter uh, named Dylan Lyons, a nine-year-old girl and a 20-year-old woman that were shot and killed while two others were injured in a double shooting that took place yesterday in Orlando. Um, the Confirmed killings 
uh, Spectrum News 13 identified the reporter as one of their journalists there in Orlando. And you can't help but think about that 2015 shooting that we had here locally of a WDBJ reporter and, um, and her photojournalist that took place uh, at Smith Mountain Lake, 24-year-old uh, Allison Parker being the reporter. Her father, who has been very vocal since this, uh, was very, very vocal yesterday um, about about the situation. So we're going to talk about that and, and see what you all think about his response uh, on that. He, uh, he called out quite a few people and he wasn't wasn't nice about it either. It was it was it was interesting. So we'll talk about that coming up in our next half hour. And we'll take a look at that forecast, which is downright balmy today. I mean, we're already in the 60s, heading up towards 80 degrees for February 23rd. Crazy stuff. We'll be back. Thanks for listening to The Morning Jam on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. Record-breaking warmth likely on this Thursday. I'm meteorologist Bradford Ambrose. We'll see temperatures in the 50s and 60s this morning, warming up into the 70s and low 80s this afternoon with increasing sunshine. Cooler as we head toward Friday. We'll see overnight lows generally down into the 50s, and we'll warm up into the low to mid-60s during the afternoon hours. A mix of sun and clouds, a stray shower possible on Friday. Currently, we have 63 degrees in Lynchburg, 61 in Bedford, Roanoke, and Salem, 64 in Danville, 64 in uh, Appomattox, and 61 in Amherst. And uh, it doesn't look like we're going to hit quite 80, although we're getting really close in in places. Looks like Danville may, may hit that 80-degree mark. Either way, it is uh, certainly a pleasant, unseasonably warm day today. Although, I will say... You know, my daughter Bailey, I mentioned it uh, earlier in the week, had her birthday this week. Her first birthday that she ever had, it was so warm that we had her birthday party on on the deck. I mean, I've got photos of literally, you know, everything being done outside because it was so unseasonably warm. So not unusual for this time of year. And then, of course, you know... (laughs) Yeah, once every 26 years. She's the same age as me, right? She's Uh, just turned 26? I think so. Yeah. 95, were you born? born 97, so she's two years older than me. Okay. So, yeah. She, uh, so no, it's happened more than than then. I'm just saying, my point is, it's been like this for a while. It'll, you know, we'll get this every now and then. And I'll go back and I'll see some of my social media posts where it's like, I'm not falling for it. I know, I know spring's not here. Um, so. Make Groundhog Day today, and then we'd, we'd, I know. we'd change it. Wouldn't that be great? That would be really good. 
So we have the story out of Orlando where a Florida reporter, uh, a nine-year-old girl, 20-year-old woman, they were shot and killed, two others injured uh, during this shooting that took place in Orlando. Um, one of them was a journalist. And, uh, of course, you immediately, if you live in this area, one of the things that you think about is that a shooting in 2015 where a former co-worker um, targeted 24-year-old Allison Parker and her cameraman during a live broadcast at Smith Mountain Lake. Uh, her father, Andy Parker, has been very outspoken since since this. I mean, he's kind of taken, taken on uh, the mantle to end gun violence in America. Um, and he immediately, after this happened, took to Twitter to lash out saying that politicians and organizations are responsible. He says, uh, I'm heart sick. It's like a bad dream. It brings uh, it all back to Allison's murder. You are a bull in a china shop over there. Allison's murder in, uh, uh, in 2015. Um, he goes on to call out names and uh, lash out at the Republican Party and the NRA telling them that they have blood on their hands. Uh, he goes on later in the day to say, and just for the record, I would like to add a big F-U to the following Virginia P POSs. Uh, and then he tagged Morgan Griffith, Bob Good, Denver Riggleman, Ben Klein. Um, I, I, I guess I'm curious... And I know that, that even though it was 2015, you never stop being a grieving parent. But I, I'm curious if you all think that that's an, an appropriate way to, uh, to behave with that kind of... I mean, do you think that's okay? 866-916-3776 um, our, is our uh, number. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that I, I um I, of course I have very mixed feelings because I do believe in the in the right to carry and depending on the situation I mean that situation was a horrible one and if I were the parent I, I think and I don't know because I'm not in his position there were a lot of other issues far more than just gun control in the situation with, with Allison Parker. I mean, you had mental health issues. You've got HR issues out the wazoo where there was warning sign after warning sign after warning sign that this guy had issues, that he had an ax to grind, that he could be, you know, volatile towards his coworkers. Um, none of that's being addressed at all. It's all being laid at the feet of, well, if we had better gun control, that would have never happened. I don't know that that's true. And I'm not trying to beat up on a grieving dad. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know that, especially in that case, and I don't know the details behind this one in Orlando, but I just don't know that that's accurate. And then you look at stories like the 22-year-old in Indiana. I mean, if that 22-year-old had, had been there, and was able to, because of a concealed carry, 
put down the shooter, save all of those people, then how would you feel about gun control? Because I have to tell you, that young man saved a lot of lives in that Indiana mall because of a good guy with a gun up against a bad guy with a gun. So I, I, I don't know. It seems, uh, it seems a bit unfair to me anyway. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but that's kind of my thought on the situation. 866-916-3776. You know, a lot of times we think we know where we come from. We think we know what our, our history is. We have a, a lot of people nowadays who try to make excuses for uh, where they are to blame other people because they've had generational wealth and and because I haven't, that's not fair, and then the whole name of equity and all of that. One of the shows that I love, and I've just recently signed up for the, the PBS uh, channel, is a show called Finding Your Roots. And sometimes people are finding out information they may not necessarily want to know, uh, but it's very fascinating to to see where you really are from. Um, a former Black Panther, Angela Davis, was shocked to learn that she is a descendant of the Mayflower. She is a racial activist and a former fugitive, and she was shocked to learn that she is a Mayflower descendant on uh, this week's episode of Finding Your Roots on PBS. She was notorious for working with the Communist Party and the Black Panther Party in the 60s and 70s. She uh, was involved in the armed takeover of a California courtroom, resulted in four deaths and her placement on the FBI's most wanted list. She's now 79 years old, was the latest to appear on the show where celebrities and public figures learn about their ancestry. Near the end of the episode, after discussing multiple members of her family, the former Black Panther learned she was a descendant of William Brewster, one of the 101 people who came to the colonies in 1620 aboard the Mayflower. Henry Gates Jr., the show's host and director of the Hutchins Center for African and African American Research at Harvard, said that our research discovered that her ancestors traveled to the U.S. on the Mayflower and uh, and she just couldn't believe it. She said, I just can't believe that my ancestors, uh, no, my ancestors did not come here on the, on the Mayflower. And she continued to protest that that was true because of her whole identity has been, you know, these evil people who created this country. And she's a descendant of someone from the Mayflower. Um, she says it's too much for her to take in. Twitter users were also surprised and fascinated by the revelation. Um, it, 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 it gives an interesting background to what people think they know about their history. It's, it's interesting from, from both perspectives. Because at the end of the day, we are all 
Americans. We just are. Whether you're a descendant of the Mayflower or you're not, you're still an American. And uh, I'm going to be curious. I, I would love to talk to her a few weeks from now after she's had time to kind of take all that in um, and and really think about it to see what her her thoughts are on that now that she knows more about herself. It makes it really tempting for me to go and get my DNA run. Do the 23 and me. Yeah. Except, you know, who knows what they're going to do with that in the future. So I'm I'm a little bit conspiratorial about that. If, if you do it, just uh, give me the result before you look at them, and then I'll, I'll read them to you, like, in a dramatic Live fashion. Like right. a dramatic fashion. Dun, dun, dun. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on The Morning Jam. Give her five minutes, and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. I would almost guarantee you there was nobody off the Mayflower on that one. Lots of folks from Ireland, but not too many folks from the Mayflower. Looking for a great meal idea? You can check out my Five and Dine on Facebook. It's brought to you by FNL Market on Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg. Today is National Chili Day, so I thought for fun I would give you a recipe for a bacon cheeseburger chili. This one is kind of different. Um, I actually judged a chili cook-off, and the bacon cheeseburger chili was the one that won. Uh, it was deliciously different. I, I liked it. thought it was good. In a large pot or Dutch oven over medium heat, you're going to add some center-cut bacon, six slices, and cook it until it's crispy. FNL has a great price on bacon this week, by the way. Drain out the extra grease. Add in your ground beef and break it apart. Cook it till it's almost done. Then you're going to add in your green peppers, your onions, your garlic. Uh, sprinkle it with a pinch or two of salt. Stir it all together until the veggies are softened. Then you're going to put in your cumin, your chili powder, your paprika. Cook it in for another minute. Then you're going to put in ketchup, mustard, dill relish, not sweet relish, but dill relish, Worcestershire sauce. Then you're going to add in your tomatoes, beef broth, and pinto beans. Stir them together well. Uh, you can mash the, ta- uh, the tomatoes if you want and blend it more. Reduce the heat. Cook it 20 to 25 minutes. The chili's going to thicken up during that time. And uh, you can add a little more liquid to it if you want just to get the consistency right. And then you're going to add your cheese at the very end with some crumbled bacon, onions, and crispy onions. Another thing, if you want to really add some heat to it, take a dried hot chili, dehydrate that with some broth, and, uh, and, and cut it up really good and put that in there. And then you can have some nice heat to it as well. Want this recipe for bacon cheeseburger chili? You can go to Facebook, type in Janet's Five and Dying. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share. Brought to you by Ethanol Market, where their meats are cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the morning jam. The Morning Jam. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Me too. Fight for what's right. As are you. 866-916-3776 is our number. We would love for you to join in the conversation this morning on The Morning Jam. You're texting a lot, which is good. Mike could use a, a call or two. My throat is just, uh, this stupid cold is just annoying me beyond I haven't sneezed on the microphone yet, though, today, so I'm pretty excited. Proud of you. I, I apologize for being so disgusting during breaks. I always feel bad, 
like when I, when I have a when I have a cold, like when I'm sneezing and coughing and wheezing, and, and then I just feel like I'm just disgusting, just disgusting. So we were talking a little bit earlier uh, in the in the program about Allison Parker's father, Andy Parker, and his reaction to the shooting in Orlando, uh, where he was pretty pretty nasty to some of our GOP lawmakers and some of his tweets and things um we had several texters saying uh, this poor father needs some serious help i'm afraid he's becoming <coughs> becoming a loose cannon uh and i mean he's he's pretty pretty angry uh saying that the the gop lawmakers have blood on their hands um went on to to call out later on in the day just for the record a big f u to the following virginia p o s s uh and morgan griffith bob good denver riggleman ben klein um kind of completely ignoring the other aspects of that situation which was the mental health issues going on especially in in relation to the uh, situation with his daughter allison and the fact that so many of the companies that that guy worked for just ignored warning sign after warning sign. I also got a, a text saying, but I thought the Democrats had control uh, until this past January. Yes, they did. But he doesn't call any of those lawmakers out. So it's just it just lays at the feet of uh, of the Jew. And, and I'm again. I believe in keeping guns out of the hands of the bad guys. I really do. But ignoring the fact that mental health is at an all-time low and people are struggling in fantastic ways, ignoring that and ignoring the fact that you've got coworkers who are just completely out of control and everybody's afraid to say something because they don't want to be labeled as a rat and they don't want to deal with the drama at work because at the end of the day they're going to say something and then nobody's going to do anything those are things that really have to change or we're going to see more and more stories like this one in orlando uh the one that took place in 2015 that we've been referring to with the parker family and countless others for sure well if you've had covid and and most people i know have had it i have not knock on wood had it um i have but most most people i know have like every member of my family has except except for me um now there are articles coming out about how covid19 uh changes your heart even after the virus is gone um, we know it affects uh, the effects it has on the lungs and the respiratory system. And there's uh, growing research now suggesting that the virus is also affecting the heart with some potential lasting effects. Uh, there has been a presentation at an annual meeting of the Biophysical Society. Uh, there, Dr. Andrew Marks, chair of the Department of uh, Physiology at Columbia University, reported on changes in the heart tissue of COVID-19 patients, uh, some of whom had a history of heart conditions, but not all of them. Um, one of the things that they found 
was a range of abnormalities, particularly in the way heart cells regulate calcium. All muscles, including those in the heart, rely on calcium to uh, contract. Muscle cells store calcium and open special chambers inside of the cells to release it when needed. And some conditions, such as heart failure, the channel remains open and a desperate attempt to help the heart muscle contract more actively. And um, they plan to further explore the heart changes in that SARS uh, COVID 2 might cause by studying how the infection affects the heart of mice and hamsters. He intends to measure changes in immune cells as well as any uh, alterations the heart function in the animals while are infected and then after they have recovered. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting and it's things that we, you know, we need to be aware of, especially if you've had COVID and I'm sure your doctor will ask you if you've had, uh, COVID previous studies have also revealed a link between COVID-19 infections and heart related problems, uh, analysis of patients in the VA system, some of whom had recovered and others who had never been diagnosed showed that those who had COVID had a, a higher rate of a number of heart-related risks, including irregular heartbeats, heart attack, and stroke. And there is also early evidence showing that people with hypertension may be at a higher risk uh, of heart events when they get COVID-19. So just something to, uh, to keep in mind. Make sure that your, um, that your doctor knows if you have had COVID before and they're saying until more definitive studies clarify how the virus is affecting the heart uh, they advise patients to control the things we know how to control and that is uh, risk, risk factors that put them at a higher risk for heart disease like obesity, high blood pressure high cholesterol and with more data emerging if people are getting repeat COVID-19 it's in uh, we're seeing their doctors to get their heart disease risk factors checked as well. They say, we spend a lot of time telling people they should get vaccinated. For people who have had COVID, we need to make sure that they also uh, know their heart numbers, make sure they know their blood pressure, and make sure they know how to do what they can to prevent heart disease and do the things that we know how to do. So really good advice. And if you've had COVID, that is probably something that you need to consider. If you haven't had a checkup for a while, go ahead and get that in. Uh, have have your conversations with your doctor about, you know, where is your cholesterol? Where is your blood pressure? All of those things so that we can keep you just as healthy as we can. Coming up at the top of the hour, Bill Trefair is going to be joining us from the Roanoke News Desk. And he'll get us all the latest information on uh, what's going on in the Roanoke and Lynchburg South Side regions for sure and uh, then we'll also take a look at the uh, the changes in HUD there are going to be some changes that could very possibly change your neighborhood as the government is uh, taking on fair housing so you know that's going to go well once the government gets involved in anything you know it's going to be so much better we'll take a look at that in the next hour here on the morning jam.
listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA-FM Greta Danville. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. Record-breaking warmth likely on this Thursday. I'm meteorologist Bradford Ambrose. We'll see temperatures in the 50s and 60s this morning, warming up into the 70s and low 80s this afternoon with increasing sunshine. Cooler as we head toward Friday. We'll see overnight lows generally down into the 50s, and we'll warm up into the low to mid-60s during the afternoon hours. A mix of sun and clouds, a stray shower possible on Friday. And currently... We have in Lynchburg, 63 degrees, 64 in Danville, 63 in Bedford, and Roanoke, 64 in Amherst, and 65 in Appomattox. So I had somebody send me, I thought, I didn't think it was real, but apparently it is real. Um, Because they were saying, so let me get this straight. We took the black woman off the Aunt Jemima box, and now we have a black man dressed up like a woman on the cheese it box so apparently rupaul is now on the cover of cheese it's have you seen these i i thought it was i thought it was made up i didn't think it was real but apparently um cheese it is celebrating the 30th anniversary of reality television which you would think they would do with the Survivor box, because didn't Survivor start the whole reality TV thing? Yeah, but I, see, I don't. I know it's like technically reality TV, but that's like I don't. Yeah, I guess RuPaul's Drag Race is a reality TV show. That's is a it? Com- competition. Um, I don't really think Survivor's. I mean, I I don't think RuPaul's a bad choice if you're celebrating 30 years of reality television. I mean, I just don't. I don't get it. I, d- I don't I don't understand, <laughs> but I, I don't think it's a bad choice. Like they could like a bad choice would have been like one of the Real Housewives. I think it's a, I think it's an interesting yeah, but that's more or, of a, that's more of a reality TV like than, one of the sister wives from than sister Ru, wives than RuPaul. Eh, that's more of yeah. a reality t- TV. It, it might be more staged. <laughs> I think all reality TV isn't reality at all. I wouldn't so, disagree, but so, like. Yeah, I, I, that, that's it. I thought it was a Photoshop box, but no, it is not. Apparently, uh, RuPaul is on uh, is on Cheez-Its in celebration of reality TV. So, the product description is cheesier than anything we've seen on reality TV. All right, well, there you go. Maybe they're going to have multiple. Uh, bo- oh, they are having multiple boxes. There we go. Because they're Snooky. See, Snooky is that her name? Yes. You should do her pump, her little hoop. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, so that's that's what it is. I still think if you're gonna do, if you're honoring reality TV, I think, I think they're the ones that started it all. Was Survivor? Of course, that was probably the last time I watched. No, it, it would be. It the, wouldn't out. it be the Real World? Maybe. Yeah, I could I could see that. Except the Real World really hasn't had that much longevity to it. Yeah, you haven't had one star from there. Like, you have different iterations of it. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Yeah. So, thanks for that. Thanks for sending me that. I appreciate it. Um, it, it is a strange world that we live in. Uh, I said a few minutes ago, I just recently got the PBS documentary channel because I, I think that stuff is really interesting. Um, and it you would need to fall seem- asleep. I'm just kidding. 
no, that's not what I go to fall asleep to. I usually fall asleep to like some true crime. Somebody's getting murdered. <laughs> I don't know why that just lulls me right off. That brings me confidence. Uh-huh. I just don't want to like miss anything. Maybe when it comes to the documentaries, there is a, a, a new documentary. It's amazing to me the things that we try to come back and, and vilify later on, especially things that were pretty, you know, iconic growing up. Now there is a new documentary about Monopoly that has come out. And um, it's called Ruthless, Monopoly's Secret History. Here's a, a little bit from that documentary there. How much money do we get out? Everybody gets two 500s. And six 20s. Okay, this is a lot of money. I know. It's America's game. It's the games of our childhood. It's the biggest success the board game industry has ever seen. It was supposed to be a critique of capitalism, but it turned out to be a celebration of it. This story about Monopoly is filled with ironies. When you look at Lizzie McGee's Landlord's Game, you see the origins of Monopoly in it. In 1904, Lizzie McGee receives the patent, the first patent by a woman for a board game in U.S. history. So how Charles Darrow was able to go in in 1935 and get a patent for Monopoly with his name on it is mysterious. And ultimately, Parker Brothers comes in and monopolizes Monopoly. They erase her from the history of the game for good. It is a zero-sum game, and so the kind of rhetoric there is that there can be only one victor. It's so funny to me that, and and there are other there are other trailers as well where people are sharing their memories of Monopoly. I mean, I I grew up playing Monopoly. With, I don't think I've ever finished a game Monopoly, but I've played it because it could go on forever. forever. And and some people, it's a tradition in their families. Like they will they'll play around the holidays. I mean, we've had Monopoly my, days games that have gone on literally for days my mom will my brother would always try to convince my mom to play and they'd play for a while i don't think they ever got to the end though did, was there ever did arguments ever break out were there ever accusations we of played cheating? a ver- yes yes but we also played a version where there was no actual cash it was credit cards and you'd have your card and then you would just like you'd put it in and you so that's how it kept track of so we had the credit card version oh you of had the credit card version okay yeah which would be easy. Would I have be Virginia. To cheat. I also had the Virginia. I still. It's in my. It's my parents' house, but I have the Virginia Tech version. There are so many. I have Virginia Tech Opoly. different versions, and you t- and you think about the money that has been made with uh, with that board game, and the fact that the the man was able to come in. They're like, oh, and it's interesting how the man was able to come in and and get a patent later. Is it really back then? No, it really wasn't. Of course, a man was going to be able to come in and steal. A uh, a patent away from a woman, uh, pff, duh, and and leave it to a woman to have created uh, created that. I, one of the things that I watched, it was a um, a girl saying that she loved to play with her brother because she got so much joy out of crushing him financially, <laughs> which I guess plays into the ruthless part of it. But the fact that they're trying to come come out now and just vilify this game as it's horrible and it teaches greedy capitalism and it I, I just think it's so interesting that we are they can find something bad to say about absolutely everything 
now. That seems to be where we are. Did you play Monopoly growing up? Did fights break out when you were playing Monopoly? 866-916-3776. The first fight in our family would begin over the, um, which, uh, which piece you would be. Yes. It was always the race car. Well, and that's usually because I had all boy cousins, and that was usually where the fight would break out. I'm always the race car. Was over the race car. And that's what all of them would say. Was, well, I'm always the race car. Well, you can't always be the race car because we're playing together. So that I wanted, always wanted to be the, like the little uh, toy dog. That's what I w- always wanted to be. Nobody wanted to be the top hat. Nobody wanted to be that. Um, but yes, they would fight over the race car. That's where our first fight would break out as well. Was, was what part, piece were you going to be? And they wanted to be the race car. Good morning. You're on the morning jam. Hi, who's this? Hey, Janet, this is Chris in Bedford. Hi, Chris. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I think, uh, good. I think Monopoly is a bane to existence um, because of the length that daggone game can go. <laughs> um, I think the uh, our biggest fights were um, when people wanted to quit playing. <laughs> <laughs> and the person who was in the lead was like, no, I'm winning. And I'm like, that'll change in an hour. You will be losing at that point. Um, it just seemed like games could just go on and on and on to the point where nobody really wanted to play it anymore. It just took forever. Yeah, and they so, and they could go on that's what for our days. Uh, it was just ridiculous. And especially and, and, if you uh, had a lot of so people found, playing. Um, If you have a lot of people playing, you said? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Our favorite board game is Catan. Have you ever played that? I have not. The Settlers of Catan. That's a good game. My uh, brother is really into that game. And how do you spell that? Yeah, it's C A T A N. C A T A N. It doesn't go on forever. It's kind of like Monopoly with bricks and wood and hay and straw, but okay. um, and ore. It's a different type of game, but it doesn't go on forever like uh, like Monopoly does. But my question for you is: Does it celebrate greedy capitalism? Because that's what they're you know, worried about. I, I think it celebrates the ignorance of people that complain about a board game. <laughs> well, Monopoly was trying to celebrate the like was trying to like deteriorate people from capitalism, but it did the opposite, which is funny. Right. Yeah, that was that was supposed to be the role and then people love the power. Shocking. <laughs> they get too upset about everything anymore. So Oh, I know. But the fact that they've made an entire documentary over, you know, how ruthless Monopoly is just cracks me up. I think it's so funny. Chris, thanks for calling this morning. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, we also had some folks text in and say uh, you need three people to play Catan. I need to play that. I haven't I haven't played it before. Um, and then what about the game of life? That was my favorite. Yeah, life you could actually finish. <laughs> At some point, you could actually get through. We're playing a game, a card game now called um, Five Crowns. We love to play that game. And it's a card game. It's kind of rummy-like. But it doesn't go on forever. Two people can play it. And that one's a lot of fun to play. So, yeah. What's your favorite board game? Text it in. We'll have more coming up here on The Morning Jam. Thanks for joining us. Give us a call. 866-916-3776.
the Morning Jam. You're listening to The Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. Thanks so much for your text and your calls this morning. Keep our number handy. 866-916-3776 is our number. And uh, I've, I've started a list now of games I need to, to check out. As we were talking about the documentary Ruthless, where basically they're vilifying Monopoly. And uh, they've done an entire documentary on how you know monopoly is has taught generations of people about greedy capitalism uh so we had some people telling us what some of their favorite games were um game of life somebody put in phase 10 phase 10 is fun i've played that uh our favorite for camping is rummy cub r-u-m-m-i-k-u-b i'm not familiar with that one um, it's super fun. It's old, like rummy, but it has tiles, and you have to use your brain. Oh, well, there you go. And apparently, rummy cube. Okay, rummy cube is what it's called. But it's spelled K-U-B. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. Like I say, we, we played um, Five Crowns in Florida, liked it so much, and ended up ordering ordering it now with five crowns i will say you you do have to use your brain but the luck of the draw has a lot to do with it for sure i was gonna say is the number one game my family plays is uh well we'll say opu it's a card game oh yeah bs no so it's different than bs it's oh it's different than bs s word yes okay and you have one card and your goal is to get either the king or the lowest possible card. You have five quarters, and basically you go until you run out of whoever has all. Okay. Who has their quarters left? I think I think our neighbors like to to play that. We so haven't played it yet. Play. Okay. All right. It's and really then, easy to. And learn. then of course uh, somebody said Uno. Who doesn't play Uno? Everybody can play Uno. That could be a game where uh, we could um, you could fight someone about. Ah. Okay. I got you. Yeah, that that could that could go horribly wrong too. Probably not as wrong as as uh, Monopoly, but really, really close. I'm guessing. So there are some changes coming when it comes to uh, the suburbs. The goal of fair housing would seem to be quite straightforward, but um, as that started in the Fair Housing Acts of 1968, um, and uh, of course, that in that it precluded discrimination in sales, rental, financing of dwellings based on race, color, national origin, religion, uh, sex, including sexual orientation, familial status, disability. In other words, uh, those who can afford to rent or buy should be uh, should not be precluded from doing so uh, for reasons not having to do with the ability to pay. Uh, for the Biden administration's Department of Housing and Urban Development. Fair housing is so much more, folks, and you need to be aware of these proposed regulations that would touch any jurisdiction that accepts any type of HUD funding. Um, Not only must fair housing uh, mean a plan to, you know, not discriminate against anyone, which absolutely should be the case, But now it has to have a plan to promote equity 
in communities and to increase access to opportunity and community assets for particular segments of people. So people of color and underserved communities uh, translated, that means that the route to upward mobility for disadvantaged minorities relies in relocating them to affluent communities so that they'll no longer be underserved. Now, what are all our taxes going for that we've been pouring into these underserved communities for literally decades and decades and decades to give them the services they need? Uh, Now they're saying, well, that's not working, so we're going to try something else. Uh, The details as to how it should be done uh, runs more than 200 pages, and those uh, required to comply will include more than 1,200 cities and counties who receive HUD funding. And any locality that receives HUD funding is going to be required to develop an equity plan. So equity could mean anything from building uh, low-income housing in these areas to redrawing school district lines for racial and socioeconomic integration, all as assessed by the HUD bureaucracy. Now, what could possibly go wrong with this? Both those concerned about the best routes to upward mobility for the poor and those concerned about administrative state overreach have reasons to be dubious. I would say so. Opposition to the affirmatively furthering fair housing regulations will undoubtedly be labeled. Of course, they will. They'll be labeled as racist and um, and, and be called lots and lots of things. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sure that's the case. Uh, it has of late been a, a liberal mantra that a children's future should not be determined by a zip code. And the HUD plan is meant to disperse low-income houses where they are presumed to benefit from better schools and parks, which the city governments are inherently incapable, apparently, of providing. Uh, The underlying social rationale cited by HUD is that uh, of Harvard economists Rajaz Chetty and Lawrence Kotz, who examined data in the 1990s HUD program, called Moving to Opportunity, in which smaller, a smaller number of low-income households were relocated to higher-income areas, and children who moved to low-poverty neighborhoods have increased academic achievement, greater long-term chances of success, and less intergenerational poverty. I'm sure that's true, and there are reasons for that. Absolutely reasons for that, because they moved into an area where the the number of people there working, contributing, creating these communities outweighed the number of people who were not contributing in the communities that they came from. That that has to be part of the issue. I I can't help but feel like we're going to be doing this and the government is going to be screwing up something else that they've been unable to throw money at and change before this could this could be this could be a real mess 
And the other question that I would have is, you know, do we know what parts of our community are going to be required to comply with this? I'm, I'm certain Lynchburg will be one of them. Um, yeah. Here's some texts this morning. If you want to call in, feel free to do so, although we got to get to break here very shortly. It says most of the communities that started taking the Section 8 turned into low-income uh, low ghetto regions. And the people who could afford to get out did. And yet they won't vote in school choice. Um, yeah. Uh, they have to be willing to move and change, not move and stay. The same nicer community. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This seems like it is rife with things that could go horribly wrong to me. But, you know, what are we going to do about it? The first thing we need to do is we need to find out what parts of our community are going to be required to create these, you know, equity plans. Because anytime I'm hearing equity, equality, fine. Equity, that is a completely different ball game that we're talking about. And anytime you hear that word, you should be concerned. I don't care what color you are. That's something you need to be concerned about because that is something that they have bastardized, especially in this administration, uh, unlike other things. And and there's been a lot of that going on. Uh, we've got WDBJ7 on the way at the bottom of the hour to take a look at our local regional news headlines. And we'll have more for you Thursday here on The Morning Jam. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. Record-breaking warmth likely on this Thursday. I'm meteorologist Bradford Ambrose. We'll see temperatures in the 50s and 60s this morning, warming up into the 70s and low 80s this afternoon with increasing sunshine. Cooler as we head toward Friday. We'll see overnight lows generally down into the 50s, and we'll warm up into the low to mid-60s during the afternoon hours. A mix of sun and clouds, a stray shower possible on Friday. And currently, 65 degrees in Lynchburg, Roanoke and Salem, 67 in Danville, 64 in Bedford, 66 in Appomattox, 64 in Amherst. As your body grows bigger, your mind must flower. It's great to learn, because knowledge is power. It's Schoolhouse Rocky, a chip on the block of your favorite schoolhouse, schoolhouse rock. So maybe we, instead of Schoolhouse Rock, we should call it Schoolhouse Rocked. Because uh, there is a school district that has been rocked and been held accountable for some treatment of some mama bears in that area. Uh, the group actually is called Mama Bears, and they filed a federal lawsuit that said their First Amendment rights were violated. And now a school district has been forced to pay over $100,000 in legal fees because they banned the mothers from exposing pornographic material at school board meetings. 
This is the Forsyth County School District, um, and it needs to be a cautionary tale for all school districts who try to silence parents. Uh, They are paying attorney fees in a federal lawsuit brought by a group of parents who were censored at school board meetings. Um, The mama bear said that um, their rights were violated and won the case due to the legal representation of the Institute for Free Speech. Um, The Georgia School District had the suit filed against them after the group members were barred from reading sexually explicit excerpts at a school board meeting. And we know for a fact this has happened in other school board meetings around the country, including Virginia. They will pay the Mama Bear's attorneys $107,000 and the plaintiff's nominal damage of $17.91. Apparently, the money wasn't the issue here. The only ones that got rich here were the for the lawyers, which is usually the case. Uh, Fee shifting is an important feature of our civil rights laws and successful plaintiffs who are able to show the government officials uh, censored them are entitled to having their attorney's fee paid by the wrongdoers, just like any form of illegal discrimination. We hope that the school board members and their lawyers take note, said their senior attorney. A year ago in February... Mama Bear member Allison Hare read pages from a book that was available at her son's middle school library. The book she read at the board meeting, extremely loud and incredibly close, is pretty, pretty pornographic. She was interrupted by one of the board members from reading more text from the book. Extremely loud and incredibly close, authored by Jonathan Foyer and published in 2005, is about a nine-year-old boy whose father was killed in the 9-11 attacks. Hare demanded to use her allotted time to speak during the public comment period since she was cut off by the board member. She attempted reading the book the second time at a second school board meeting the next month. Her actions prompted the school board to send her a letter banning her from school board meetings until she complied with school board policies. The district claimed that Hare's actions had violated their public participation policy. What, for, like, reading pornographic, you know, information? According to the Institute of Free Speech, the federal judge ruled that the public participation policy unconstitutionally barred her. Um, the judge also ordered the district to end up to end its ban on having her speak at board meetings. The FCS board voted on a new public participation policy that was approved on Monday, removing the language that speakers must conduct themselves respectfully. They also eliminated the rules that Speakers do not address board members individually or be bolsterous. Well, that's going to be nearly impossible with the situation our school boards are in now. Because you take that word out, we wouldn't have a school board meeting anywhere in the country right now. The lawsuit underscores the phenomenon of parents across the country paying closer attention to school boards 
challenging curriculum and contesting books that they think are completely inappropriate. The issue of education has become very concerning among voters, resulting in organizations like the Oregon Moms Union. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, school board meetings have oftentimes become battlegrounds between parents and school board officials, reigniting debate over how much input parents have on their own children's education. I, th- I think there's a lot of school boards that are going to need to stand up and take notice on that one. Because we're going to be seeing a lot more um, lawsuits, I think, after this, after this win. So we shall see. That brings us to a story with uh, Vice Mayor Chris Feraldi. He's going to be joining us either tomorrow or Monday. I'm not sure at this point. I was talking to him this morning via text. Uh, He has filed new paperwork with the clerk of court, and he says he hopes to begin a referendum process to answer what he says is a very important question. Should Lynchburg voters and parents directly elect its school board members? Now, this may be more timely than ever because of parents' concerns uh, over their lack of, of input in how their children are being educated. Um, Feraldi said that this is the only process allowed by state code where voters can decide if they want to transition to an elected school board in the city. Today was the first step in making this critical change, he said yesterday. After filing the paperwork, uh, he issued this statement. says, Lynchburg should have an elected school board. We need greater accountability and transparency within Lynchburg City Schools, a greater emphasis on parental involvement, greater emphasis on the classroom, greater emphasis on a number of other items. Even more importantly, we need politicians to realize that we do not know better than you as a parent how to best educate, discipline, or raise your child. If this council were to continue this practice of city council appointments to the school board, we would be no better than the 20-year majority that was just retired. I'm saying no more closed-door appointments or meetings, no more uh, discussed for parent oversight, no more. It's time to call uh, the appointment system what it is, backward and wrong. Let's put an end to a school board system that keeps board members more accountable to members of council than the will of the people. So apparently there is a petition that can be signed. You're not necessarily expressing favor or opposition to the question itself, but rather the allowing of the public to respond to the question directly. So this is just kind of the first step in that. Um, About 5,500 signatures are needed in order to place the item on the ballot in November. So um, if you want to sign the petition, you do have to be a registered voter. Um, I'm going to put a link to the petition. If you want an elected school board, then this is the first step in having that happen. So if you think that's important, this is probably something that you're going to want to sign, I would think. Uh, So if you want to, if you haven't liked us on Facebook yet, you need to do that. Uh, You can just look up The Morning Jam 
and um, and then you'll you'll be able to find a link directly to that. We're also putting up some information about um, gleaning for the world. Gleaning is going to be doing a collection at Sam's Club today from 10 till 6. They're going to be collecting water. Uh, they're also collecting money and other items to help the people in Turkey. And the water that they're collecting is for Ohio, that they're going to be sending that into Ohio. So if that's something you want to be a part of, uh, we'll also have some information on our page about that. So you just need to, to look up the Morning Jam on Facebook and you'll find a lot of the links to things that uh, we've been talking about this morning. One of the other things we want to mention is a show that's going to be coming to the Virginia Talk Radio Network. It's going to be starting in March. It's called Sustainable Living Made Easy. Uh, I'll be doing the show along with sustainable living expert Glenn Bobbitts. Uh, going to be talking about a lot of things that is going to help families in the area become more self-reliant, uh, be able to be more food secure, uh, more have your family more secure in general. Um, it's going to be running from 8 until 9 uh, on WIQO uh, mornings, on Saturday mornings. And I think you're going to find it really interesting. If you thought about you know, growing your own food, even if you're living in a, a small area, there are still things that you can grow and have. Even if you have, you know, just a, a little patio, there's a lot of things that you can grow. I had a rooftop garden and grew everything I needed that way. So we're going to be talking about things like food security, uh, energy efficiency, how to keep your, your family, you know, safer uh, during what could be insecure times. So uh, a lot of great topics that we'll be talking about. That's going to be starting in March. So be listening for it. Sustainable Living Made Easy. Uh, I'll be doing that show along with Glenn Bobbitts, and it'll be coming in March to the Virginia Talk Radio Network. The Morning Jam. They'll get you pretty far. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my way, you still think I'm Little Toby Keith for your Thursday morning here on the Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, Mardi Gras partiers in the Big Easy have been asked if they uh, feel safe uh, of course, New Orleans being called the nation's murder capital uh, after another fatal shooting occurred on Sunday during a parade that was filled with children and families. One party goer said, uh, told local news outlets, don't come here alone. Uh, said they were out with friends on Bourbon Street uh, saying you need to stay safe and stay in a group. Uh, one woman visiting from Virginia uh, disagreed. She said, uh, there's a bad apple in every bunch. There's nothing to be afraid of. Everybody's full of love here. Mm, okay. New Orleans recorded 266 homicides in 2022. That was a 116% increase from 2019, according to the New Orleans City Council crime database. Um, 
one New Orleans native said, we've got real problems here. You have to be careful. You have to be aware of what's going on. I think it's interesting that the people who live there and the people from Louisiana are like, you need to be really careful and be smart. And then the people who are visiting going, everything's a party. It's great. <laughs> There's always going to be bad people everywhere. Um, I went to New Orleans uh, many years ago. And, and and look, bad things can happen anywhere. Um, I won't say that I felt unsafe in New Orleans. I didn't feel unsafe. I mean, I, I pretty much walked uh, everywhere. But we did go in groups for sure. My only thing with New Orleans was it's just not my, it's just not my my jam. It's it's a little uh, pun intended. It's just not. I mean, I love the musicians. I love that part. Food was amazing, but it's. I mean, there's a lot of the voodoo stuff around. There's a lot of those shops. Um, there are a lot of of sex places and um, topless and. I mean, th- things things that I certainly, as country mouse going to the big city, was not used to seeing or or even reading about on the, uh, yeah. So I I just think it wasn't for me. Maybe, maybe it was just wasn't my thing. So I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't my wasn't my cup of tea. But now I've talked to other people who absolutely love it there and they love going to Mardi Gras so you know what to each their own I mean I've heard mixed things about places like Las Vegas some people absolutely love Las Vegas and then other people are like yeah no I don't think so although I think Las Vegas has done a really good job at kind of turning that reputation around a bit um, because they do offer a lot more things that are you know family friendly and there's certainly a lot of stuff to do there no doubt about that well, the Murdaugh trial is uh, is continuing. Um, Netflix's uh, Murdaugh Murders, a Southern Scandal, that, that aired right in the middle of this um, Murdaugh, a South Carolina trial. I listened to an update, a, a podcast earlier in the week, and it is, it, 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 it does read like a novel, uh, a lot of, of the things that were that we're seeing um, the slain son of accused murderer Alex Murdaugh uh, allegedly they're saying choked and beat his ex-girlfriend uh, Morgan Daughtry and once had his family help him cover up a serious drunk driving crash in 2017 that according to the documentary now any of you who have followed the Murdaugh trial at all would not be surprised by any of that as they have a long history of behaving badly and then coming around and trying to cover it up with their family reputation and throwing money at things. Um, The girlfriend spoke out for the first time about the abuse at the hands of Paul Murdaugh in the documentary. It's a three-part series, and it aired during the fifth week. We're in the fifth week of the Murdaugh's double murder trial that's taking place in Walterboro, South Carolina. They say people are lining up as early as 5 a.m. just to try to get one of the seats. People are taking vacation and driving to this area of South Carolina just to to watch this case. That's how 
obsessed people are with it. Um, the the once powerful legal dynasty uh, and the, the disgraced leader of it is accused of fatally shooting his wife, Maggie, 52, and his youngest son, Paul, in 2021. And, um, of course, his, his argument is, Murdoch's is, that he had dinner, and then he lay down and took a nap, and then he went to see his mother, went to visit his mother, which apparently was very much not the normal. And then he says he came back after that, and that's when he found his wife and his child near the dog kennels. During this trial, they have released a video where one of the men's working at the kennel was taking video of a dog that he was um, treating because they had a, a, a friend's dog there and was trying to help them with a, some type of physical thing the dog had going on. And so he's he's filming this the night of the murders. And, and right at the time frame that they're saying these murders took place, um, you can hear the wife, the son, and Alex Murdaugh on the videotape. I don't know how they're going to overcome that, but I'm certainly try, uh, sure they're going to they're going to try. Uh, in this documentary, the uh, girlfriend, the ex girlfriend of the son that died, uh, dated him in high school, said that he attacked her one night when they were uh, at a hotel celebrating his brother Buster's graduation. Buster has been attending the trial regularly in support of his father. Uh, she said that Paul was so intoxicated. Uh, we uh, said that they had finally gone to bed. And for some reason, Paul kept kicking me. I yelled at him and he got on top of me screaming. I told you to shut up holding down my throat. I just remember he punched me really hard uh, in the leg and she broke down in tears as she told the story. The family's nanny and housekeeper warned her about Paul before she died in an alleged slip and fall at the hunting estate in South Carolina. This whole thing has just been an unbelievable story. Um, she also said uh, recounted another incident where Paul allegedly drunkenly crashed his truck after a Christmas party. She had been driving him home on Christmas Day when he demanded the wheel, lost control, ended up in a ditch. She tried to call 911. He snatched the phone, called his daddy and his late grandfather, and, uh, and then Paul's mom, dad, and grandfather showed up, scrambled to hide the guns and the beer before police arrived. So this has just been a long and ongoing situation. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shapes up. If you are interested in the, the Murdoch story, as a lot of people are right now, you might want to check out Netflix Murder uh, Murdoch Murders, A Southern Scandal. Um, apparently, it's a three-part series, so you'll be able to you know, maybe catch up on some of that uh, if you want to if you want to get, I, like I say, I listened to a podcast this week just because I, I can't help but be a little bit fascinated by it. A Virginia man who uh, went out to buy charcoal for a cookout got a little more than he bargained for. Thomas Kirsch of Norfolk went to the food line 
to pick up some charcoal because they were having a Sunday cookout. And then he thought, you know what? While I'm here, I'm going to buy a scratch-off lottery ticket. I'm going to pick me up some jumbo cash. And did he ever. He was stunned to reveal the $300,000 top prize. He said he was very excited. And he said the uh, cook-off also went out without, uh, went off without a hitch. It was a great time. The rain stopped just in time. And I think they may have even gone from uh, burgers to some filet mignon for the, uh, the cookout. Because now he could afford it. So there you go. Well done, sir. Hey, tomorrow is Friday, and uh, we're going to be sharing some Friday funnies with you. Try to to head into the weekend a, a little bit, you know, lighter than we started out. <laughs> we try anyway. Hope you have a fantastic Thursday. We look forward to spending Friday with you and uh, make the most of it. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Morning Jam on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. I'm Janet Rose. Have a great day. Listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA FM Greta Danville.